The Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 6. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy God, we hear so many voices throughout the week, all vying for our attention. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Attune our ears to your voice. Then help us to boldly share your message of love through our words and deeds. Amen. A couple of days ago, I was sitting with a friend at a local coffee shop. It was mid-afternoon, and there were several other people there sprinkled around the room, laptops open, fingers tapping. We were at a corner table, just beginning to enjoy our coffee and some small talk, when she leaned over and she said, so what have you been doing all morning? I told her I'd been working on a sermon, and she was curious about that. So I told her the sermon was based on Jesus' words, love your enemy. All of a sudden, her eyebrows popped up, her eyes got really big, and her face turned bright red. That would be my sister. There's no way. I could never do that, not after what she did to me. It's impossible. Then she pushed back from the table, got off, and rushed off toward the restroom. Wasn't exactly the reaction I was expecting. And I didn't even know she had a sister. <laughs> but that day, I learned the hard way that those three little words, love your enemies, are powerful. Powerful enough to bring out the fight or flight reaction in most of us. Powerful enough to make us want to scream in anger or run away in fear like my friend. And that's because enemies are hostile. They're unfriendly, antagonistic, and aggressive, to say the least. And their words or actions hurt or threaten us in some way. So we flip into that fight-or-flight response. It's in our nature to do this. It's like our DNA. It's our knee-jerk reaction just to hit back at those who take a swing at us. To swing back, either mentally, verbally, or physically. Or we run. We leave angry. Hold a grudge or stuff our anger into that get-even memory box. And on top of all that, 
We live in a culture and a world that encourages and even expects that kind of behavior. Striking back and getting even is the way of the world. It's how things are done. I think that's why we find loving our enemies so impossible. Because loving someone who is hostile is counterintuitive and countercultural. So oftentimes we just try to squirm out of it, or we try in some way to justify our unwillingness to love our enemies. And before you know it, our thoughts can just start racing around in our mind, trying to figure out all the reasons that this can't possibly be what Jesus really means. The worst case scenario might pop into our minds. Well, what about people like Hitler? Are we supposed to love them? Or we may think, these words about loving our enemies, they're an exaggeration. We can't possibly be expected to take them literally. There's just too much evil in the world. Sometimes we might say something like, if I let her off the hook, how is she ever going to learn her lesson? Or, loving my enemies would just make me a doormat, and I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. I get this kind of reasoning because sometimes I feel all these same things myself. And to complicate things further, this is a text that has been misused over the years. So just to be clear, Jesus is not telling anyone to stay in an abusive relationship. And Jesus is not telling anybody to be a doormat. So let's take a look at what he is saying. Let's take a close look at his exact words. Jesus said, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies. The Greek word for listen here is in the present tense. It translates, I say to you that listen and keep on listening, love your enemies. Jesus is speaking to those who are serious listeners, those who will keep on listening to his words even when they're hard to hear and even harder to do. Another key word in this text is the word love. When Jesus says, love your enemies, he uses the Greek word agape. Agape is a particular kind of love. It's not a romantic love or a brotherly love. It's not a love based on feelings. Some describe it as the kind of love that God has for us, a love that's unearned and undeserved. It's described as self-sacrificial and as a love that's committed to another's well-being yet expects absolutely nothing in return. What's more, it's used as a verb. Loving this way involves action, intentional action. C.S. Lewis referred to it as gift love, the highest form of Christian love. Jesus is saying, love your enemies with this kind of love. And I have to admit, that description of agape makes loving our enemies seem even more impossible. And yet, throughout history, there have been people who have dared to love their enemies. People of great courage and wisdom who have taken Jesus' words seriously and acted on them. Martin Luther King Jr. comes to mind first because he wrote and delivered a very famous sermon about loving our enemies. He preached this sermon in several places, including his home church in Montgomery, Alabama, in the late 50s. King began this sermon by saying that Jesus was not playing when he taught his disciples to love their enemies. 
He went on to say that he took this teaching so seriously that he made it a point to study and preach on it once a year. And King was a man who practiced what he preached. He believed in the power of loving our enemies. He believed it was redemptive. And he even believed it was the answer to changing our world for the better. So he encouraged and inspired others to take this teaching seriously too. King understood that loving our enemies doesn't mean we have to like them, and we sure don't have to like what they do. So he suggested we intentionally choose to love our enemies through peaceful action, willful, predetermined, peaceful action. King knew well that his enemy wasn't just a bigot, but it was an entire system that supported injustice. So he organized what he called mass nonviolent resistance based on the principles of love. Mass nonviolent resistance that spoke truth to power and exposed the depravity of racism to the world. These actions called on an entire nation to change, to let justice and acceptance reign for all. For a black person, especially those living in the South at that time, loving your enemies was a pretty big ask. It was a pretty big ask that cost those who practiced peaceful resistance to racism a pretty big price. It cost them beatings, bombings, and burnings. It cost Martin Luther King Jr. and many others their lives. But it was transformational. It was redemptive. Changes for the better did happen. And of course, there's still a very long way to go. But the mark his life and legacy left upon this country and the world is undeniable. Another very different person, in very different circumstances, understands the power of loving our enemies too. His name is Richard Rouse. Well, the first time I met him was right here at this church a couple of years ago. He was here to lead a small memorial service, and after the service, we chatted a little bit. And he mentioned that he had been a pastor years ago at Trinity Lutheran Church in Linwood. And that sparked my memory. He was the pastor I read about years ago. Way back in 1992, a serial arsonist burned down his church. It was totally, completely destroyed. The arsonist was caught, found guilty, and put in prison for setting over 70 fires. A newspaper article reported that the pastor went to the prison to visit the arsonist to offer forgiveness and to pray with him. And I, I remember being intrigued by this pastor who lived out his faith in such a remarkable way. And I told him all this and we were chatting. He smiled and he looked down his shoes and he said, well, it's funny you should mention that. My wife and I just stopped by the prison to see him on our way here this afternoon. He went on to say that he'd been visiting this man on a regular basis for years. And throughout those years, the arsonist became a changed man. The power of the love he experienced transformed his life. It even transformed the lives of Rouse and his wife. They both grew to love him as a son. Well, hearing all this just left me speechless. Rouse was actually practicing what Jesus was teaching. He was loving his enemy. Both of these men, although very different people in very different circumstances, seemed to do the impossible. They dared to love their enemies. How did they do it? 
How did they do what seems so impossible for so many of us? It's almost like they're superhumans. Superhumans who have some kind of special superpower. But what about all of us who struggle with this whole idea? What if loving our enemies just seems impossible? After all, we each have our own unique set of circumstances and challenges, and oftentimes those challenges come from people who are the closest to us, our families and friends. Actions or words from these people affect us personally, so they hurt, and it can be hard to forgive. Martin Luther King Jr. and Richard Rouse seem to understand that loving our enemies, whoever they might be, takes a lot of forgiving, intentional forgiving. And as hard as that can be, it does help to think about all the days and all the ways that we mess up, and yet God forgives us, and forgives us, and forgives us. Because we each are a child of God. It helps to pause and remember that. This gives us the courage and even the desire to ask for God's help, to ask for God's love, strength, and wisdom to work through us. We can't do it alone. We need all the help we can get from God, even to choose to love our enemies with agape. I think Martin Luther King Jr. and Richard Rouse knew that. They knew they couldn't love their enemies without God's help. I think that's why they were able to keep on listening to Jesus even when his words were hard to hear. I think that's what gave them the courage to make an intentional choice, a choice that's counterintuitive and countercultural, the choice to love their enemies with agape. They made an intentional choice to treat the other person as someone created in the image of God, to look for the good in them. And they made an intentional choice not to return hate for hate, but to take action. They both chose to speak and act in a peaceful way with the hope of bringing about change. Sometimes, loving our enemies, well, it can seem impossible. It can seem like something that only superhumans can do. But the truth is, God isn't act asking or expecting us to be superhumans. And the only kind of special power we need is the power of God's love, a love that's freely and generously given to us. The choice of what we do with that love, well, that's up to us. Amen. <laughs>